Hello and welcome to Around the Corner. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, what news do we bring the people of the podcast? Well, uh, basically, Cleveland minor league affiliates are insanely good this year. I mean, they are crushing everyone. So we are off to a really strong start to the 2021 campaign. Lynchburg is still undefeated after a, over a week. Uh, looks like they're about to move to 8-0. Akron is, I think, 6-1 and or 7-1. and They finally lost today. Yeah, they, they lost today. Um, looks like... You know, Columbus is hanging on right now, but if they win, they'll move to like six and one, I think. And uh, Lake County looks well on its way to to go into, I think, five and three. So, I mean, it's just really, really strong start with some crazy good performances in the minor league system. And not all of them. In fact, most of them are not from our uh, top, you know, 10 prospects. So. There's a, a lot to talk about after this first week, first impressions, all kinds of things going on. So I'm really excited to, uh, to, to dive in here. Yes. And, and it's early. It's very early in the season. But we have been talking about the tipping point on this podcast for a while about when do we go from a system with a lot of exciting, really young guys to, oh, actually, this is just the best system in baseball. <laughs> and if this keeps it up or like if. If the affiliates can keep it up, maybe this is the year. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, what's crazy is our youngest team, which is just loaded with 19-year-olds in Lynchburg, is the one, they're not just winning, they are murdering everyone they face, okay? (laughs) Lynchburg teenagers run amok. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. Let me pull this up quick because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what they've been doing. Lynchburg Hillcats on... Their first game of the year, okay, they won 16 to 3. Not bad, huh? You know, they were ready to go. So the next night, what do they do? They win 19 to 3. <laughs> and they, they follow up a 16 run game with 19 runs. Um, so far this season, I think their worst game, they won by like four runs or five runs. But let me pull up all of their wins. Are they going to break Pythag? Their run differential is off the charts. I'm, so I'm thinking that's such an absurd, like plus 29 through two games. Yeah. How? So hang on. So after the 19-3 win, they won eight to two. You know, they only won eight to two. Then they won seven to two. Then they won seven to one. Then they won eight to four. On uh, Tuesday, they won 10 to one. And today they're up seven to one as we're recording the podcast. Like, it, is, it is one thing to consistently win by a large margin, but it is another entirely to also keep them yeah. <laughs> with three so runs it's or fewer not just almost every that game. They are crushing everyone with their offense, but their pitching has been tremendous too. Like they're, I think their worst game, they gave up four runs one time. And other than that, it's been three or fewer every game. So... It's great pitching and the best, most ridiculous offense so far in minor league baseball. Like, honestly, if we were picking out like the top five offensive players of the week, we could just 
randomly pick four guys out of their starting. Probably. And do you know what occurs to me is usually when we get a super team like this in the minors, they break up really fast because they just all get promoted. I don't think that happens this year. There's nowhere to go. Every team is so good. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, that's the low A team and the high A team has, you know, Aaron Brocco, George Valera, Brian Rocchio. Like, you're not going to get promoted and kick those guys, you know, out. Uh, so, and what's funny is the high A team is actually our uh, worst team right now at five and three. This is wild to me that the, the team with the, the, the most hyped prospects is actually the one that's uh, been struggling the most. And there will be some regression. There always yes, is, yes. but it seems to me that no team that isn't very, very good would be capable of starting that hot in the first place. If that makes sense. When a guy hits a ball 115 miles an hour, yeah, Jason Kipnis cannot do that ever. He's just not structurally built to, probably. It, it just interesting stuff. I'm I'm excited to watch them play. Yeah, so I guess uh, you know, without further ado, let's roll into uh, you know some of the things that we typically do during a minor league season that we haven't had a chance to do for you know two years. We typically like to talk about you know how the top ten from MLB Pipeline are performing throughout the season. So we'll just keep a regular running tally of uh, how they did for the each week and then maybe how they're doing for the year. Then we kind of look at, you know, highlight five players that maybe were the the, the top five for the week. You know, it doesn't matter if they're a top prospect or not. It's just, you know, who were the best guys? And then, uh, you know, we kind of had a thing that we called the, the Indians in the cupboard back in the day where we picked some guys that weren't on the prospect list that we were intrigued by that, uh, you know, we felt deserved a little extra hype. And we've done pretty good picking out those players because a couple of them have already made it to the MLB as, you know, not top 30 prospects, which is pretty impressive. So uh, we'll be calling it the uh, Carnegie cupboard this time around. So I like that. And then we'll close out with uh, just a few of the transactions that have happened at the minor league level to start the season. And we will take your questions. So I guess without further ado, let's roll into the top 10. And we should mention that before we get started with the top 10, Tristan McKenzie just graduated his rookie status. So he is off the top 10. You know, congratulations to him. He's coming off a great start. And uh, we hope great success for him in the future. But we will not be following him in our top 10. And I think Emmanuel Classe was close to that top 10, and he also just graduated. If you factor in his time in Texas in 2019, plus this season as our closer, uh, he is also already graduated. Well, I hope in McKenzie's case, he can receive maybe an all-star game nod as a diploma. That'd be good for him. Might be next year instead of this year, but we'll see. Um, So let's get started. Uh, Number one prospect, Nolan Jones. Not off to the best start for his uh, 2021 season. I'm not worried. I Just one of these years, I would like for our top prospect to blow the doors off the place at the beginning of the season at AAA instead of always testing our patience. <laughs> yes, through uh, six games so far, and he is at Columbus. Um, he is three for 23 with a double, although that one double was did basically set up the game-winning hit. Uh, it was the game-winning hit. He has three walks. This is the the scary thing. Uh, out of his 23 at-bats, 12 strikeouts. At triple-A. That's a bat that is not ready this season, I don't think. Now that I've seen that. Oh, I'm not giving up on him just yet. But yeah, the slash line, not so hot. At uh, 130, 231, 174. 
Um, and it's been interesting. He has played so far four games at third, one game and two games in the outfield. I, I just, I'm not worried about the slash line and he's still drawing walks, but I look at those numbers and then his fall league numbers from 2019 and I almost see a 50% strikeout rate, like, or I see almost a 50% strikeout rate, right? You know what I mean? And that, that can be fixed. But as we know, it's easier to teach a guy who already makes good contact how to make more out of it than it is to teach a guy who is not making contact how to barrel it up. And so yeah, I get worried. That's kind of what we've seen out of guys, you know, like when Lindor was here, he went from a guy that made good contact to a guy that was jacking 39 home runs. And then, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez now leading MLB in home runs after, you know, looking like a slap hitter for the first couple of years of his. And so we have that anecdotally. Uh, Zach Meisel just posted an article on The Athletic that talks a little bit more about how the Indians have targeted guys who are just sort of the athletic contact types for that reason, too. So it was sort of nice. We've talked about it a lot to sort of see the organization finally go, yep, the jig's up. That's what we're banking on. So it's going to be interesting to see guys like Jones and Bradley, who are sort of more of the prototypical big corner slugger types. Uh, Moving on. To one of those contact first guys, uh, Tyler Freeman. Uh, he is starting the year at Double A as the primary shortstop over there. To start off the year, in um, it looks like through six games, he is six for twenty-three with a triple, two walks, and this is a little surprising for a guy that has made such great contact. Uh, eight strikeouts. Um, slash line two sixty-one, three twenty. 348. You know what? Good for him for striking out. <laughs> Seriously, he's got to get a little bit more aggressive at some point to figure out how aggressive is too aggressive for his approach. That's great. And for, you know, a 21-year-old in his first stint at Double A, which is as far as I've heard, the toughest transition in the game between High A and Double A, um, you know, he's doing fine. He's still very young for his age or for his uh class. 21 and looking at baseball reference it's saying that's three years younger than the average double a player right now it also occurs to me that i criticized nolan jones for striking too much and praised tyler freeman for striking out more (laughs) i recognize the absurdity of this and my only response is hitting is weird and there's a difference between a 50 percent strikeout rate and 10 um and then moving on i believe uh, the number three prospect is bo naylor he is uh, one of the youngest players in all of AA, uh, just turned 21, and so far he is 3 for 19, no extra base hits. Uh, he does have four walks, so that has boosted his on-base percentage considerably. His uh, slash is 158, 304, 158, uh, although he has also struck out at a very high rate 10 strikeouts in those 19 at bats although 23 plate appearances if you factor in the walks Mm -hmm. um and he does have a stolen base but no triples you know he had those 10 triples in 2019 was the 10 10 10 man so but we'll see how he does um it looks like he in his games catching he has not thrown out a base runner yet 0 for 2 that will definitely change. 
Well, uh, moving on, we've got uh, George Valera, the number four prospect. He has played seven games, and so far he has gone four for 22 with four walks, seven strikeouts, and a triple. Had a huge swag bat flip on that triple, by the way. Slash line 182, 296, 273, but he's also stolen at least three bases, and I think he stole another one or two today. I'm not sure. I knew speed was part of the deal with Valera, but Mm -hmm. seeing him continue to employ it as he goes up the ladder is very exciting to me, especially because he gets on base in multiple ways. I know he's not hitting great yet, but the fact that his strikeouts are relatively low and the walks are almost up there with the strikeouts, I like that a lot. My number one thing when I look at a prospect is, you know, walk to strikeout ratio. Are they, because that kind of makes you slump proof almost. Like even if you're not hitting, you're still contributing by getting on base. Like even in a slump, you're still going to be having that good approach at the plate and drawn, drawn walks. I'm also going to have a lot of patience with Valera because the way scouts have talked about him, if this guy doesn't end up hitting well, I'm just never going to believe them again. <laughs> uh, this is his first full season. He's at high A and he will be 20 the whole year. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he ends up doing. And I cannot wait to see the clip of his first home run. I mean, he might throw the bat into the crowd. Please, I I want him to, and it it would have been worthwhile, I think. (laughs) So moving on, I believe we've got Gabriel Arias at AAA, uh, one of the returns in the, or the key return, honestly, uh, minor league-wise, in the Mike Clevenger trade. His numbers are really interesting to me because he's hitting 105, 292, 263. He is also 21 years old at columbus so that's a huge like he i think he should be at akron realistically but because the system is the way it is and the team is so excited about his skill set here he is in columbus uh so so far he he does only have two hits but the first hit that he had was i think he jacked a two-run home run on opening day his walk to strikeout ratios are looking pretty good he's got five walks with uh eight strikeouts so not too shabby betting, you know, he's not making great contact at the moment, or at least it's not getting lucky with this contact with uh, the 105, 292, 263 slash. Next up, we've got our first pitcher on the list and it is Daniel Espino. Um, he, his first start of the year was really interesting. He was kind of all over the place uh, and in three and two thirds innings, he struck out six, which was great. And only walked one, but he got a little unlucky with uh, some sequencing. And uh, in the four hits, he allowed three earned runs from them. But I will say, he look, it hasn't been updated on the official minor league like websites and stuff yet. But he started earlier tonight, and he was tremendous. Um, it looks like he went five innings, one run, uh, five strikeouts, two walks and six hits. So they stretched him out a little bit and he uh, rewarded them. First uh, big test of the year for him uh, tonight and he passed. So I am really excited to see what this young man is capable of doing. I think he just turned 20 and he is at the the low 18. 
In introducing the next guy, I want to pose a question to you. Number seven on the list is Brian Rocchio. He has 27 plate appearances. I want you to guess how many total bases he has accrued as a result of those plate appearances. Out of 27? I mean, he's not a huge power hitter, but speed-wise, he's pretty good. So I feel like even if he, you know, hits even a mild gap, he could get at least a double or two. So I'm going to guess 10. Seven. Okay. He has not, six not hits. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and seven bases. Okay. So six for 27 with a double, it looks like. Yeah. It's unfortunate Ooh, uh, that his start no walks, too. Yes. That's the other thing is he has that line that speaks to us, I think, when the batting average and the on base percentage are equal. Uh, we enjoy it when they're in the, the high three, four range. Oh, yeah, we want want 400 on base. That is, to me, the sign that you can be a not just good major leaguer, but, you know, a quality major leaguer that's going to immediately be able to step in. Yeah, if your on base percentage is 400 or higher, you can kind of hit it however often you want. (laughs) Bonus points if you hit it hard when you do. It uh, looks like he does have three stolen bases, so though he's turning those singles into doubles, but he also does have, uh, he's been caught stealing twice. I'm not worried about it. It's just a, a lackluster start from an exciting player, so we'll keep tabs on him. And then uh, next up, also at that same team with uh, Rocchio and Valera is Aaron Bracco, who is uh, primarily playing second base. If I recall, is that the plan for him long term? Um, like he was initially a shortstop, but then when, you know, with so many shortstops in the system, when he made his pro debut, he was at second base. So, and it looks like so far this year, he's, he's played second base and first base even, which is a little surprising. Guess how many total bases he has in 16 plate appearances. Uh, two. Ooh. Yeah, I was surprised to see he didn't play on their opening day, but he has played four games, or maybe five, if you're factoring in uh, another game's worth of data. You know, what? It's kind of wild that none of our top ten prospects are really producing. I mean, other than Espino with the, the start tonight. The next one, unfortunately, our number nine prospect, Ethan Hankins, he will not be producing all season. Um, I have some very bad news to report, but... Uh, If you didn't see it already, Ethan Hankins, uh, the number nine prospect in the system, second rated pitcher. It was announced today that uh, Tommy John surgery is being scheduled for him. We are not going to see him pitch for the rest of the year and probably at least half of next year. And it'll be probably two seasons before he's stretched out to, to pitch, you know, a six inning type of start. I guess, you know, to get it out of the way now, I just wish that it had happened you know, during the pandemic when he wasn't going to be playing anyway, like Lenny Torres. So now he's losing almost two and a half years in the middle of his development. So after, after a pretty strong 2019, he misses 2020 with the pandemic. And then Tommy John before he could even get his first start of 2021. I, I, I hate to say this, but who knows now? And I, I don't say that doubting him in any way. I just know. Boy, when I was his age, if I went through this pandemic and then blew out my arm, I'd have a real hard time looking myself in the mirror and saying, I'm going to 
I'm going to do it again. More power to him as he starts this process. I am rooting for him. Yeah, and I think he'll be okay. I mean, he seems like a, a hardworking kid that he'll take this on the chin and get right back at it. I mean, maybe he'll uh, take something from, you know, Lenny, who uh, was able to come back and get out there. So, I mean, his his first start back from Tommy John surgery didn't go amazingly, but uh, I believe in two innings, he gave up three runs in his return for first time pitching in two and a half years. So I'm going to give him a little bit of slack too. On the bright side, we have another... Good pitching performance at our number 10 prospect, Josh Wolf, who was one of the key returns in the Francisco Lindor trade. His season debut was tremendous. In four innings, he gave up one run uh, on three hits with one walk and struck out seven. And that was for Lynchburg. So he was a, a second round pick by the Mets in 2019. So he looks settled in already. So I'm really excited to see what this kid can do. It was a really encouraging start. And two years ago in rookie ball, he had 13 and a half strikeouts per nine. So it's nice to see that momentum pick up even a little bit now that he's a couple levels higher and in the new org. So he's part of that loaded uh, pitching staff that is just crushing it at Lynchburg. And while the offense is also crushing it. Okay, that's our top 10 review. Uh, But now it's time to talk about the top five performers of the week. And there are, I mean, honestly, we could have picked more. I mean, they were that good in terms of what, I mean, when you have four affiliates being this successful this early, we could have thrown darts at some of the rosters and just picked players. But I I combed through and I feel like I picked the top five. You did pick an I should have added some honorable mentions because they were so good, but... Uh, you know, one of the honorable mentions, I'm cheating, I'm using him for my Carnegie cupboard. <laughs> but let's get started. Xavion uh, Curry, if you remember, which you probably don't because he was drafted in 2019, but then didn't pitch. I think he was a seventh rounder. And I heard rave reviews about this guy, rave, but he didn't get to pitch. I think he had like some kind of injury or something that... He did not play in 2019, and then 2020 happened, so he didn't get to play for all of 2020. So he makes his pro debut at Low A Lynchburg and tosses four shutout innings. Just was completely dominant. And then he pitched again, I believe it was yesterday, and followed it up with five shutout innings. This guy has electric stuff, really good breaking pitch, Um, So through two games in nine innings, he's given up just three hits, no runs, no earned runs, three walks, and 12 strikeouts. So absolutely dominant. So I am jacked to see what this guy can do. Like, I I heard good things about him. If he keeps this up, I mean, he's going to rocket through our prospect rankings, I think. And he is a college arm. He's one of those, you know, scouted college arms that could be a quick mover. So don't be shocked to see him get a quick promotion if he keeps this up. Our next guy on the list is having himself quite a time too, uh, John Kensey Noel. Yes, he is a, a first baseman slash third baseman at Lynchburg, and this is going to be a running theme. <laughs> a lot of Lynchburg players going to be getting some hype with uh, the, their start to the season. 
Um, but you know, he had some hype that he was uh, huge power potential in the minor leagues. Let me double check. I remember him having a lot of home runs in the DSL. While you're looking that up, just to point out fun slash lines again, 433 batting average, 438 on base percentage. He's just squeezing that extra five hundredths out. (laughs) Or is that five thousandths? I think that's because he had a sacrifice fly, which actually makes your on base go down. Like if you have no walks or hit by pitch, um, your on base percentage and you have hit a sacrifice fly, your on base percentage could be lower than your batting average. Okay. Um, so but I think he had a sacrifice has... fly and either a walk or a hit by pitch to balance it out, but that slightly bumped it. So Funny that's seeing why. it off by point zero zero five. Like how do you get that precise in thirty plate that's appearances? How. That's how. Um especially when your batting average is that close to five hundred already. <laughs> but yeah, back in twenty eighteen, he hit ten home runs as might have been sixteen year old. Because he's 19 now. Where? Was this in some guy's backyard? Like, where it was, was in he the DSL. It was in the 16? DSL. At, I, I think he may have just turned 17 in, okay. in like June of that year. But he's, he's still 19 now. And this is three years later. Um, but he had 10 home runs that year. And then uh, in 2019, he hit six home runs in uh, the AZL. But so far in six games... He has three home runs already, and they are no doubters. Do we have a first base prospect? We have. He, he can also play third, too. But yes, he is a first base prospect. He is okay. a legit. And he is a, a very large individual as well, <laughs> uh, I believe. This says he's only 6'1", 180. I think he's bigger than that. Huge power potential, and he is off to a tremendous start, as we mentioned. Uh, you, you read the slash line, but he also has four doubles with his three home runs, 11 runs, 12 runs batted in, WRC plus 230. He is responsible for 23 runs in six games. <laughs> if you think about it that way, yes, he is How? ridiculous. Well, when your team scores an average of 10 runs a game, you know, somebody has to be helping those happen. In a 162-game season, if he kept <laughs> oh, up God. that pace of run production, he would have 621 runs to his name, that's essentially. Pretty um, that's pretty good. And that's assuming that he would hit, let's see here, you know, he'd have 297 runs scored in addition to... I think uh, three... Uh, <laughs> 324 RBIs. Yeah, you just double the 162. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see if he can keep that pace up. You never know. That'd be a good season. I think he'd win That'd some be awards. An okay, season three hundred and twenty-four RBIs. You might get a nod for the single A team. We'll see. But yeah, no, no, this guy's exciting. He's he's not getting. You know, he wasn't getting quite the hype of the Valeras and the Broncos and them, but he is a very legitimate uh, internationally signed prospect in the system. So I'm I'm pumped to see what he can do. Because this is his first taste of full season ball. And he is coming out of the gates hot. Uh, Someone else coming out of the gates hot. um, You know, Tyler Freeman gets all the love. He's at double A. But Jonathan Rodriguez, you know, he was, I think, the youngest player in that draft class. When they drafted him, he has, you know, 
just barely 17, I think at the time. So they, you know, were baby gloves with him. He did not even get promoted to a full season Lake County before the pandemic hit. So in 2019, he was still at Mahoning Valley. It seems like they, they kept talking about that this guy could grow into his tools, um, that he had, you know, some good height. He had, you know, the, the body that could fill out and have a lot of power, um, had a cannon arm. And it seems like something's clicking for him right now to start the season because through five games, he is nine for 21, slashing 429, 520, 762 slugging with a double, two home runs, two walks, and his WRC plus is higher than Noel's at 240. 240. But yeah, this guy was our third round pick in the the, the draft. I think it was the 2018 draft. Uh, Might have been the 2017 draft. It was it was the draft we got Tyler Freeman. It is just such a hot start. And then I feel like the next guy. I know by WRC plus the numbers aren't quite right, but. This one certainly puts some more pressure on guys. Uh, Owen Miller. Finally, somebody that's not on Lynchburg. <laughs> uh, Owen Miller through six games, batting 500, uh, 12 for 24, uh, with a slash of 500, 538, 708, three doubles, a triple, two walks, WRC plus 228. Tom Hamilton would not stop talking about this guy like two days ago. And considering like he's not somebody that I rely on for prospect information, that he is this hype about Owen Miller after uh, liking what he saw in spring training as well. He said, I remember him saying, all this kid does is hit. All this kid does is hit. Like even I remember at the time he wasn't hitting it for a high average to start off spring training he's like every time this guy hits the ball he is scorching it he's just hitting it at people and then by the end of spring training he was you know tremendous so yeah i am really excited for owen miller i mean you could call him up tomorrow and he could easily step in for yu chang who has pretty much lost all of his trust from tito he's barely playing at this point and he can play all the same positions that Chang can. I mean, Chang can play all four infield positions, and Owen Miller has played all four infield positions as well, uh, including first base at Columbus to start the season. Uh, This guy, if you're new to him, he also was a return in the Mike Clevenger trade. So, you know, that trade's looking better and better. I mean, you look, I think we got Josh Naylor in that trade, Austin Hedges in that trade, Cal Quantrill in that trade, Gabriel Arias, and Owen Miller. I can't wait to see him. Like like you said, Hamilton talking that highly of him. On one hand, it's not Tom Hamilton's job to evaluate prospects. But on the other hand, that man's seen a great deal of baseball. And when he gets excited about how hard a kid is hitting the ball, I sort of sit up and listen. No, that, that definitely opened my eyes to hear him, you know, raving about Owen Miller. But yeah, I mean, it seems like the hype is real. This guy can hit and he can play any position on the infield. I mean, I, I'm surprised he's, I mean, it may sound crazy, but I mean, hell, if uh, Jimenez continues to have uh, some offensive struggles, I mean, he, you could see Owen Miller become our full-time shortstop. Absolutely. Not uh, not just, you know, they may think that they have a solution right now at first base if uh, Bowers is doing okay and Naylor 
uh, occasionally plays there as well. You know, maybe you don't have to worry about having a, a right-handed first baseman if because I think they view Naylor as somebody that can hit, you know, lefties or righties. Well, and even even if he plays short, I'm just thinking if you came down and told me that we could get a new shortstop, but it had to be Derek Jeter, I'd say, OK, <laughs> I'll just move him way towards second base and let Jose play way off third. We're good. We won't worry about the defense. We're just going to take the 320 average and remarkable leadership. So maybe that's what he can do. I'm not saying that he needs to come out and be the captain, but there's nothing wrong with having a competent fielding shortstop who rakes. Absolutely. Moving on, number five, Logan T. Allen, who is the other Logan Allen. Um, He was our second round pick in the 2020 draft, and he is off to also a ridiculous start. And I think it is even better than Xavion Curry's start to the season. Uh, if you remember, we we briefly mentioned Logan T. Allen during the last podcast because I think during that podcast, he had just pitched uh, five almost perfect innings. Uh, I think he started the season. Yes. His professional debut, by the way, at high A and with 4.1 perfect innings. <laughs> so he had another start tonight. So he's pitched 10 innings in two starts, given up six hits, no runs, three walks, 15 strikeouts. So I have an official around the corner podcast announcement to make. Ooh, let's hear it. Uh, It is it is now known or let it be known that Logan T. Allen is now Logan number one. Uh, and Logan S. <laughs> Allen is now Logan number two. This is official moving forward until further notice. So it is so stated. And so moving right along, we're happy to reintroduce to you the Carnegie Cupboard, formerly known as Indians in the Cupboard, in which Brian and I both select a hitter and a pitcher each that are maybe lesser known in the system, but worth keeping an eye on anyway. These are guys that are not top prospects. Maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you haven't, but we think they're neat is what it comes down to. So, Brian, is it okay if I go ahead and lead off this time? Lead it off. Four batters. I am picking Ernie Clement, the, I want to say, infielder, but I don't even know if that's the right word anymore because he's playing everywhere. Yeah, super utility. Uh, He is hitting 292, 32500 so far this year, but... He is not walking anywhere near as much as he previously has. So I'm expecting that number to shoot up some. He is an older non-prospect type. I guess put all of that in parentheses. These are guys that can show up and have a huge impact when they hit a club at the right time. And everything that I have seen about him suggests that he plays hard, works hard, and is a fun clubhouse character, to say the least. And that is a very positive like description in his case. He's awesome on social media. Like His Twitter account's great. He gives me like Whit Merrifield vibes um, because when he was drafted out of Virginia, he was the hardest player that year in college to strike out. And he has maintained, you know, very low strikeout rates throughout his entire minor league career. He's not a guy that's, you know, going to jack you know, 20 home runs, it never hurts to have a guy that you know can consistently put the bat on the ball when they need to. I know Francona likes him. Like, he he has been impressed with him for, I think, since the 2019 spring training. 
Oh, see, that's that's the trick then is Ernie Clement has to get good enough that we don't get frustrated with Francona for literally playing him every day in front of somebody else. <laughs> he can't become Mike Freeman. Mike Freeman was great. Ernie Clement could be more. <laughs> and uh, my Carnegie Cupboard hitter is Micah Priest. Now, that name may not sound familiar to you because he was drafted in 2019 out of Point Loma Nazarene University, a Christian liberal arts college. Yeah, he did not play that year, so he made his pro debut this year. And in his first game, I think he had three hits, including a three-run bomb for Lynchburg. So, of course, low A Lynchburg, another stud. So far through five games as an outfielder in uh, the Lynchburg team, he is batting 467 with a 500 on base percentage and an 867 slugging with three doubles, a home run, two walks. And his WRC plus is actually higher than Owen Miller's at 233. Talk about hitting the ground running. Uh, This young man, he also, I, I discovered a very interesting fact about him. He has a brother that was drafted the same year he was, and they're not twins. I think his brother was a college senior, so they were both drafted in the 2019 draft. That's fun. I wonder how often that's happened. Because, I mean, maybe you factor in, like, you know, teams sometimes will draft a high school kid knowing that they're not going to get him just to maybe build connections. I'm sure it's happened where, you know, a high school kid gets drafted the same year as their older brother or something. I think it's especially strange that two college brothers were drafted the same year. Moving along to the pitchers, I have selected Eric Mock. He is a late round pick from 2019. I think like the 24th or 27th round, somewhere in there. Was pretty good at Mahoning Valley when he pitched there. And then there was a global pandemic. So who knows what happened. But so far, so good in his return. Which says to me, that's a couple of appearances now, and give me just a moment here to magically have his numbers before me. (laughs) They're good. ERA of 123, couple of games. He's come in, he hasn't started one, but I'm assuming he's piggybacked because he has seven innings. His last start, he piggybacked the last four innings after the starter pitched the first five. So it's basically a two-pitcher performance. Um, They won... 10 to 1 tells me that he was busy during the pandemic to come out and have a couple of starts now where he has been more than sharp so college arm indian system gears start to turn we'll see mine is going to be francisco perez now i've talked about this guy a few times over the years uh, he was very good in uh, the dsl and the azl back in 2015 and 2016 as like a 17 year old 18 year old um, throwing, you know, mid nineties as a lefty starter Uh, so far this season, he also has been kind of coming in and that piggyback role and through uh, two appearances out of the bullpen, he's gone 4.2 innings allowed just one hit, two walks, seven strikeouts, no runs. So looks like he is pitching very well to start the season. Uh, 23 years old. He's at double a Akron and he actually started the year at Lynchburg. And before even the the dust had settled, they promoted him to double a. And I think the highest he'd ever pitched before was Lake County back when Lake County was the first 
full season stop. The, the, the low A, I guess. He basically jumped two levels and he's pitching that well to start the season. And there's definitely a chance that he gets starts because um, right now they're giving him kind of long relief as a power lefty arm. But still just 23 years old. He throws gas. Um, ERA for his minor league career is 3.19. I'm excited to see what he can do. So seems like uh, he's he's back and fully healthy because he uh, struggled with some injuries back in 2019. And uh, I think, uh, you know, this could be his year maybe. So I'm, I'm really excited to follow along and see what he does the rest of the season. So I know we have some transaction news to share. So besides Ethan Hankins getting scheduled for the, the Tommy John surgery and missing the rest of the season, we do have a couple players that uh, were originally scheduled to play and or did play and got hurt. Uh, Stephen Kwan and Quentin Holmes both hit the seven-day injured list, uh, both outfielders in the system. Uh, Kwan left the game early with a right hamstring strain. So depending on the severity of that, could be you know a short stint, could be a little longer. Um, Quentin Holmes, our first pick in that same draft, we got Tyler Freeman and Jonathan Rodriguez. He also left mid-game with a left groin strain and hit the injured list. And then this last one, uh, Joey Cantillo, he also was a return, I think, in the Clevenger trade. So we got six guys back. I forgot. So he was supposed to make his first start at double A, but they ended up uh, promoting Alex Royalty from High A Lake County and filling his spot because he had abdominal soreness. And it looks like it was bad enough that he hit the seven day injured list with it. But as far as I've heard, it's not serious and he should be back soon. So maybe as soon as next week, we should be getting the Cleveland debut system debut of Joey Cantillo, one of the top pitching prospects in the system. Now we also have some questions we will answer here before the podcast comes to a close. Which of these would you like to address first? Uh, let's, let's do them in order. Chris Davis or Davis asks, uh, will Lynchburg ever lose a game? No, no. They, uh, <laughs> they're eight. No, they're they've outscored opponents 83 to 17 so far to start the season. Those are college football numbers. <laughs> that <laughs> is, that's, that's better than the dream team did to like Panama. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's how good they've been. All right. It, it kind of reminds me of when the Dream Team was scheduled to play Angola and Charles Barkley was asked about his thoughts on Angola. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I don't know much about Angola, but Angola is in trouble. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that's pretty much how I feel about everybody that's facing Lynchburg to start this season. <laughs> it's about right. They're going to learn if, if they're not already. Yep. So our second question, Hockey John asks, what is George Valera's ceiling? Infinite. Yeah, I mean, he still has an elite ceiling. We haven't really seen it in action quite yet. But, I mean, there's so much hype around him that, I mean, it's going to be difficult to live up to it at this point because people are so excited about him. But, I mean, the ceiling is, you know, a guy Ronald that... Acuna. Realistically, it could be. I mean, I I think that's because I'm thinking it it won't be trout level and maybe not quite Mookie Betts in his best season, but maybe like somewhere between Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna. Like, I think he could be that good. I'm serious. That is 
tip top ceiling and they are asking ceiling. They are asking ceiling. Yeah. I mean, ceiling is elite outfielder with tremendous power and a ton of swag that, I mean, if you've ever watched this guy hit every time he makes a really good contact, whether it's a home run or something that he knows no one's going to get to. I mean, he tosses that bat. I mean, he is the, the bat flip King of the Cleveland's minor league system. So far, the, the only bat flip I've seen that was as good as anything Valera does was when Bill, Will Benson hit four home runs in a game. And on his fourth home run after like a long at bat that I think went to a full count and he fouled off a bunch of pitches, he threw that bat so high. Oh, yeah. It took like 10 seconds to come to <laughs> A shame that it ever did. The gods yeah. should have lifted it into the beyond. Yep. So, but yeah, no, I mean, his, his ceiling is through the roof. It really is. But. When you have a high ceiling like that, he also has, you know, a much lower floor than some of the more consistent uh, outfield prospects that we have in the system as well. So there's plenty of chance that he doesn't even come close to those ceiling potential. Not not to be a Debbie Downer or anything. Oh, he could totally bust, but and I'll, I would be thrilled if his ceiling is like Rajai Davis. That would be totally cool. Well, not ceiling. Maybe no, <laughs> I, I would be fine with that. Seriously, that's a productive major league player. Yeah, but it like, I it's just I'm, I still have stars in my eyes about him for now. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to remember, like, there are other totally acceptable outcomes that never appear to be on Hall of Fame trajectory. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, looks like last question here from Disgruntled Dad is how quickly can someone realistically replace Jimenez at short? Now, I will say defensively, I think Jimenez is just fine. Like he he could play short the rest of the season with the, the defense level that he's given us. He is fluid. I would rather have him there. And even if his offense is lackluster, I will take him every day at short over one more game of Ahmad Rosario at short. Um, but uh, replacement prospects, I mean, at this point, there's only one and it's Owen Miller. Yeah. Um, you know, Arias is been pretty inconsistent so far at AAA. I mean, he started amazing with that home run, I think on his first at bat, first pitch even, but he hasn't really hit great since. And Owen Miller just hits and hits and hits and hits. Now I don't think Owen Miller is as good defensively at shortstop as Jimenez. So you're going to have some give and take here. Uh, are you willing to get potentially some, improved offense and trade that for some worse defense yes because our pitchers are so good like it if i were on if i were in the indians organization i would make sure that a small piece of paper ended up in jimenez's locker that was just owen miller's batting statistics in triple a and that's it like it it's time to show up if you want the job like it's your job but you're losing it, buddy, because this kid is not going to stop. So let's find out. Yeah, but Owen Miller could be called up tomorrow and at least replace Yu Chang as the super utility. But he could realistically, I mean, if they believe in him, he could play shortstop and step in and I think do just fine. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to hit 500 at the major league level, but I think this guy is a major league hitter right now. So that's all that I have for this week. Brian, is there anything else that you would like to cover before we close? No, I'm just really excited to see a minor league season get uh, started and settled in and 
it's looking like it's going to be a lot of fun covering these teams this season. It already has been, and we just got started. So if it is time, then I believe I can end the podcast with a selection from Poet Laureate E.E. E. Gammings, if that's acceptable to all. Let's do it. <clears throat> Lance McCullers savors the utensils that work and work and exist brave like a pencil chic like a bat cool <laughs>